welcome into y'all, the show all about y'all. And you guys too. I'm John Rawl. We appreciate you tuning us in on a Wednesday, the 20th of June. And my goodness, looking at the clock it uh, and the calendar, my goodness, July 4th is just a few days away. And we're only a couple of days away from the six-month mark of being away from Christmas. So have you done your Christmas shopping? We'll have to have a little Christmas in late June and early July on this show here in the coming days. We're going to have a another good show today here on the Y'all program. If you like country music, well, just a few minutes from now, we'll be joined by Precious Harris of the Nashville Music Line, and she's going to give us the latest from Music City. And I want to know more about what happened with Fanfare, Fan Fest, there in Nashville, CMA Music Festival. Happened earlier in June, and I know about, uh, as we told you on the Tuesday edition, Scotty McCreary got married over the weekend, so uh, maybe Precious had some more info on that. So anything country music, we've got it covered here in just a few minutes on the Y'all Show. In hour two, we're going to talk some ACC football with Jonathan Leifheit of 24-7 Sports. He's going to come on and tell us all about Clemson. Will the Tigers repeat as conference champions and once again find themselves in the playoff? Or will they uh, have competition from teams like FSU and, and let's say Miami? Miami had a good season last year but fell apart at the end. Also, Jonathan works with the Georgia Tech affiliate of the 24-7 sports. So we'll get a good dose of information on the white and gold of Georgia Tech. That's an hour or two. Plus, we've got some interesting hashtags to pass along so you don't want to miss it here on the y'all program all right let's get into our first segment of today's show gonna look at some headlines from across the region that we want to tell you about some things that may be flying under the radar nationally because right now the big story is what's going on at the border with the separation of families and the zero tolerance policy but there was a lot of anger in the Tri-Cities of Tennessee over the weekend. A video has come out on social media where nearly a dozen parents began throwing punches at each other during a softball tournament in Kingsport on Saturday. Kingsport, Tennessee, that is. And it uh, was an ugly situation. Now, we've seen this happen way too much where parents get involved with these travel tournaments. Uh, this was a, a tournament going on there in Kingsport at a softball tournament of all things. And there were there were there were brouhaha. there was a brouhaha. And it was a very ugly scene with like we said nearly a dozen parents coming out and brawling. These uh, travel teams I believe came from North Carolina and they were disqualified from the tournament and escorted out of the ballpark. One parent said, I like to yell and scream, but I do my best to scream positive things to the kids and just encourage them. And I can tell you, as a parent of a youngster who recently finished playing spring baseball in his youth league where he lives, it's supposed to be fun. I think so many of these parents just take it way too serious. Even at my own son's baseball game about three weeks ago, and he's an eight-year-old playing in, I think, a seven, eight-year-old baseball league. Okay, so just little kids. I was standing by one of the parents of one of his teammates, and I heard her say at least uh, two expletives out loud about 
somebody on the team. Now, it could have been their own son. I didn't really know this parent that well, but still, I mean, come on. It, do you really need to get that emotional over little kids playing sports? And then I don't know the ages of these folks in Kingsport that were going nuts over the softball tournament, but there, there's got to be some sense here. People, stop trying to live the life of your own youth and through the through the eyes of your child. So that uh, that coming out of Kingsport, Tennessee. Now to the capital of the state of Mississippi in Jackson. Activists burn Confederate flags outside Governor Phil Bryant's governor's mansion. And this happened on Monday. And, of course, the state of Mississippi still continues to have the Confederate flag as part of its state flag. A 2001 referendum overwhelmingly supported keeping the emblem as part of the Mississippi flag. And Governor Bryant has maintained that stance as governor, despite... The total capitulation by most southern towns and political figures in the last three years, all citing Charleston, South Carolina, as the justification for doing this. No, I, I think the reason is they wanted to do it anyway, and they were looking for any excuse to tear down monuments and flags and all that. So this uh, this happened in Jackson on Monday where folks started burning flags, which is their First Amendment right to do so, uh, and I support that. Valencia Robinson, an an organizer with the group that did the flag burning, said this flag is a symbol of hatred in the state of Mississippi. And uh, a lot of uh, people in the South, you know, support Mississippi keeping its flags. Some people don't. But regardless, it's Mississippi's flag. And Governor Bryant has said all along it should be for the people to, to decide. And for now, the flag remains as it has since the late 1890s as the banner of the state of Mississippi. So uh, activists burning flags outside of Phil Bryant's governor's mansion in Mississippi. By the way, Governor Bryant, I think his term, his eight-year term, as he was reelected the other year, I think it ends next year. So there will be a new governor as he'll be term-limited out pretty soon. And not sure who's going to take over the governor's role when the election happens, but that uh, flag issue will certainly be a big part of the next election as the state legislature in in legislature in Jackson has punted on any idea to change the flag. Uh, a lot of people thought for sure that it would have already been changed. Well, it hasn't. So. I guess uh, we'll keep an eye on what's going on in Mississippi with their flag, but some protesters not happy about it. Burn it there in front of Phil Bryant's home. Now to the state of Missouri. Speaking of governors, my goodness, uh, not uh, not but a few days ago, Governor Eric Greitens had to resign as governor after all kinds of scandal and court action and such. He resigned, so they have a another brouhaha going on in the show me state as the democratic party is suing to try to block the appointment of mike kehoe as lieutenant governor and this is uh, reviving a a big debate that's been going on whether the governor has the power to fill the executive branch's number two position or whether it can only be filled by voters so the democratic party went in to a court on monday after governor mike parson announced kehoe's appointment as lieutenant governor and so Governor Mike Parson is the new governor of Missouri, but he appointed a lieutenant governor. The state Democratic Party there in Jefferson City 
not very happy about that. They're looking to make some changes in the show me state with the way the succession goes down. Now to Alabama, and I love Amtrak. Amtrak has been a sponsor of yours truly and the programs that I produced for a long time. Well, Hurricane Katrina really ripped up the Gulf Coast, not only Louisiana, but Mississippi and Alabama. As a result, Amtrak service was completely knocked out along that corridor, the I-10 corridor. And right now, there's a chance that service can come back up for rail service between Mobile and New Orleans. And Alabama, as a state, is not wanting to pledge millions of dollars to help restart the passenger train service along that Gulf Coast between Alabama and New Orleans. Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi must commit almost $35 million altogether over three years by tomorrow, Thursday, to be eligible for the same amount in federal funds that would enable Amtrak trains to run from New Orleans eastward to Mobile. Now, Louisiana's already said they would pony up $9.5 million. Mississippi said they'd give a couple of million, but they would also go back and find some more if need be. So Alabama, Governor Kay Ivey's office issued a statement saying that she supports efforts to restore passenger rail service on the coast, but isn't committing state funding. So it would be nice and fun to catch a train along that Gulf Coast Mobile to New Orleans, stop off at a casino in Biloxi, perhaps on the way. But uh, right now, Alabama's not uh, so eager to jump in there and help out financially. So we'll have to keep an eye on what's going on down in Montgomery with the legislators in the state of Alabama. Hey, in New Orleans, if you want to see former First Lady Michelle Obama, she's going to be down in the Big Easy as she comes to town on Friday to kick off the 2018 Annual Conference of the American Library Association. She'll appear as the opening general session speaker from 4 to 5.30. This is going to be going on at the Ernest Morel Convention Center, 900 Convention Center Boulevard. And I bring this up because Michelle Obama, just like her husband, kind of has been surprisingly silent since leaving the White House back in 2017, early 2017. She's she's pretty much just like Obama going boating, surfing, playing golf, I guess. I don't know exactly what she does, but I won't say that she's been totally silent on Twitter, but as far as making appearance and such, she's, she's pretty much been around D.C., which is where they're calling home now. But she will be coming south to attend this convention going on in New Orleans this week. So we wish her well. With all of that, uh, Michelle Obama, the American Library Association, by the way, goes way back to 1876. That's when it was founded, and it claims more than 60,000 members. And this conference, which is going on in New Orleans, goes through June 26, and they're expecting more than 15,000 librarians to come to New Orleans and take part. A convention of librarians. I wonder what that's like. Uh, what do they talk about? What do they do? You know, I, I knew a librarian once, and she was a lot of fun. And she she loved to kind of pick on the stereotype that librarians have uh, of being nerdy and and book book nerds. She she was she liked books. Obviously, she was a librarian, but she certainly was not the mold that most people have of what a librarian is. So. That uh, that should be interesting to see what happens there with Michelle Obama hanging out with a bunch of librarians. 
And that's what's happening across the South here on the Y'all Show. And we encourage you to feed us information. If you know anything going on, some breaking news, some developing news, some interesting oddball news, we want to hear it. You can tweet at us at Y'all Show, Y-A-L-L-S-H-O-W. You can call us, and that number is 803-816-1170. That's a number you can call. You can leave a message. You can text that number 24 hours a day, 803-816-1170. We'd love to hear from you as this is a show for you and and we hope kind of by, by you. We want you to be a participant in the Y'all Show, no matter which southern state you live in. We cover 16 southern states, wherever they say y'all. This is the show all about y'all. John Rawl, who I had a, a an absolute pleasure of serving as the founding publisher and president of Y'all Magazine, the magazine of southern people for seven years, and Y'all, the radio show that you're listening to, and one day soon we'll be watching on YouTube and or Facebook Live. I have had the pleasure of kind of being an ambassador for this region and now we're taking it from print to more of a broadcast edition of y'all and it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to take this thing on the road a lot we're going to come to a town near you perhaps and we're going to go to football games we're going to go to the beach we're going to go to the mountains we're going to go to the golf courses wherever whatever is going on the y'all show will be all about it and we want you to be a part and get on board early and be a supporter we need your help folks we need (laughs) y'all okay when we come back a long time friend of mine 25 years now that we've been friends precious harris is going to come on we work together in nashville and she still is right on music row she's got her pulse on music city and we're going to have her come on with the nashville music line that's next here on the y'all show I love my family, but last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family (laughs) for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus, get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831 First line $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 kilobits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. 
As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. Somebody's got to feed that jukebox Somebody's got to drink that beer Somebody's got to get all out and race and hell and Somebody's got to dance in women Spin them to a country song I can do this nightlife all day long The brand new single from Garth Brooks, All Day Long. It just came out on Tuesday and already getting a lot of airplay across the country, and we're excited to play it for you right here on this edition of the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Glad to have you back here on this all-Southern program. And in the South, we love our music, and we love our country music. And if you love country music too, especially the old stuff, the new stuff, whatever it may be, then this is your new home to get a great dose of country music on the Y'all Show, a mixture of music, sports, politics, news, food. We got it all, y'all. This is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. The reigning CMA Entertainer of the Year, yes, Garth Brooks, he released that song all day long on Tuesday, just 24 hours ago, roughly. And it is uh, becoming a, a really, really hot item already across the country. And this song is what Garth said from the very first lick. This song is a party. Country, radio, up-tempo, honky-tonk, and summer go so good together. Also describe this as a damn good honky-tonk song. And you know, country music needs music like this. I'm glad Garth sees that. And in today's bro country that's out there, Florida, Georgia line, I'm looking at you and, and others, this song here is maybe what we, we need if you're a country music fan, as it will hopefully revive not only the honky-tonk, but we haven't had a jukebox song in country music in 20 years. And uh, I'm a little nostalgic. I like jukeboxes. I, I still love to go into a Waffle House. They've got a jukebox there. There's a few other places with a jukebox. And if you're under 20 years old, you're probably Googling right now, what is a jukebox? Question mark. It's a great American thing, and frankly, I think uh, they they are they are just awesome. This song out by Garth Brooks, uh, it's going to be part of a tour that he's got right now. He's go- doing tours across the country, and he's also got his Studio G, a weekly Facebook Live series that airs every Monday on Garth's Facebook page at 7 o'clock p.m., his Facebook page, facebook.com slash Garth Brooks. So, Garth Brooks already out with some good summertime music, and we will uh, keep an eye on how well this song goes. You know, he's kind of retired, come back, retired, come back, but always good. Now that George Strait essentially has gone off into the sunset, Garth Brooks maybe can carry that torch of the cowboy hat-wearing traditionalist, even though Garth and George aren't quite exactly the same when it comes to country music tradition. We need that multi-million, multi-million guy to keep country music going. Uh, it's hard to sell records, and Garth still has a way of getting 
the sales for country music. We are hoping to be joined by Precious Harris here in this segment, Nashville Music Line. Precious and I became friends way back in the early 90s when she was working for Atlantic Records on Music Row in Nashville, and I was a, a, a burgeoning country music journalist, and she and I struck up a friendship that remains today, and I love Precious. She's been so good to me, um, and we're going to have her on, unfortunately for Precious, and we'll, we'll be able to, to maybe tell you a little bit more about her as we go along here with the Y'all Show. She has a just a, a a whole library of of health woes. She was in a wheelchair when she was in high school. She's had cancer multiple times. She's had kidney issues. She she's had I think over ninety surgeries now in her life, and so I think she's got something going on right now today, and that's why I haven't been able to get her on. If she calls here, we'll take her call, but. Anyway, Precious Harris with the Nashville Music Line. Looking forward to having her as a regular feature here on the Y'all Show. But until she calls, I'm going to go on my own here for a few minutes and talk some country music with you. And hey, I know a little bit about country music. I started at a country music radio station in December of 1988. I was working as a DJ the day that Keith Whitley died and actually broke this, the news to our listeners there in South Carolina where I my hometown area, and and so I've, I've loved it, and I went to Nashville when I got out of college. I worked for the uh, cable channel, the Nashville Network, for a while, which was located at Opryland and was the second largest cable network back in the 1980s and 90s, only behind USA, and so I worked for the Nashville Network, and then I got promoted to work for their sister network, which this sister network still exists, the Nashville Network, now is called the Paramount Channel. It was Spike TV for a long time. But uh, I went down the hall and worked for CMT, Country Music Television, for a few years back in the mid-90s and had an absolute blast and and essentially helped pick the music videos that went on CMT. And so I got to meet a lot of artists and got to have a lot of fun. I'll share some of those stories as we go along on the Y'all Show, but it was a really neat thing to be a kid in this I say kid, I was in my early 20s, right when country music was absolutely booming across the world at that time. I was at CMT when Shania Twain came kissing up to us. I was there when Kenny Chesney literally would hang out at the CMT office all the time. And other folks like the Mavericks, you might remember them. They used to come clean our refrigerator to try to kiss up to the staff of CMT and others. A guy named Dirks Bentley actually took my job when I, when I got promoted to CMT. He came in and worked in the job that I held, and I didn't really talk to him because he had a weird name, Dirks Bentley. But anyway, just kind of a, a fun thing. And before I worked at TNN, one of my heroes, Alan Jackson, actually worked in the mailroom at the Nashville Network, TNN, before he made it in uh, country music. He he was chasing that neon rainbow, and it worked out pretty well for Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson, by the way, is still out there doing good things. And we, we're going to feature these country music legends on our show. We'll hopefully get some interviews from time to time with many of the country music stars of yesteryear and the new talent. We, we've got uh, an eye on the current hit makers, and we are going to also feature the folks who are looking for that big break. So if you're a musician and you want to – be interviewed and have your music showcased. Well, the Y'all Show is a good option for you as we'll be able to share 
your story, and I don't want to just play music. I want to interview you as an artist or songwriter, whatever the case. Precious has an office right on 17th Avenue in Nashville, and, and we're going to be broadcasting on 17th Avenue in Nashville on a regular basis. We'll also be going to other places around Music City to do the Y'all Show from time to time. So stay tuned. We're going to be all country music and all all good stuff right here on the Y'all Show. Here's a story that I got passed along my way yesterday. It, it seems crazy to uh, believe that it's been 25 years, but it really has. John Barry, you know the guy that sang several hit songs like Your Love Amazes Me and really one of my favorite songs, Standing on the Edge of Goodbye. John Barry celebrated his 25th anniversary this week, uh, moving from Athens, Georgia, to Nashville. Now, he was born in South Carolina, so i got to throw that out there. Uh, John Barry is a native sandlamper like myself, but he, a Grammy-winning singer-songwriter, John Barry, celebrating his 25th anniversary of moving from Georgia to Nashville to rec- pursue a recording career, and he's doing this uh, celebration where he's going to go back to Athens to the Foundry for a homecoming celebration, and that's going to happen uh, soon, at the, uh, an official proclamation from Athens, Clark County, Georgia, named June 16th as John Berry Day, a surprise gift for the hit maker, and something really neat there for this guy who ended up living in Georgia and came to Nashville. He still gets out there and and comes to Nashville on a, uh, on a regular basis. So a uh, a fun guy. He's on tour right now. Let's see if he's got some tour dates coming up soon around the southeast. He's going to be. In Roanoke, Alabama, June 22nd, Panama City, June 25th, for a private show. It'll be at the Ryman as part of the Gretsch Presents the 5th Annual Georgia On My Mind series, and that'll be June 26th in Nashville at the Ryman Auditorium. And he'll be in Milton, Florida, on August 11th, McDonough, Georgia, August the 17th. John Barry, one of the good ones out there, and had a lot of great success. Uh, I know his first song, was uh, Kiss Me in the Car, I think it was. He was on Liberty slash Capitol Records back in the day and was part of the faces of country music that that he did have success. So many people back in the mid-'90s had a hard time getting any airplay because there was just so many. People were selling so many records in those days that it was hard to break through. But John Barry did have some success, and we wish him well on his 25th anniversary of being in the country music arena. Now, another band that predated John in Nashville and really goes all the way back to the 70s with a a great song called Kiss You All Over, Exile. They have released a brand new CD and a re-recorded hit CD that's out there. And if you ever saw the movie, I think it's Happy Gilmore, they have uh, Kiss You All Over there early in that movie and it's absolutely hilarious the way they do it but exile they did kiss you all over in the 70s and then they moved over to more country music they're based out of lexington kentucky and they've got this new cd out there where they do kiss you all over a remake of that woke up in love some of their other country music singles that were hits she's a miracle and uh it'll be me i can't get close enough and we'll try to get them on that would be a good interview soon with exile need to get john barry on and we'll play Standing on the Edge of Goodbye. The band is on this uh, limited 55th anniversary tour. Yes, they've been out there that long because they went way back in Kentucky in their early roots getting going as an act. 
and some of their southern dates coming up they'll be in Walhalla South Carolina October 26th Walhalla is up by Clemson and let's see Bremen Georgia December 15th so they're going to be really all over the country their closest southern date June 29th in Prestonburg Kentucky at the Mountain Art Center Exile great band and good to see them out there five men strong doing it uh, and, and making head waves and, and celebrating their duration across country music. And that's a look at some of the headlines. And uh, again, we're looking for not only old fo- old folks, uh, O-L-E, I should say, not O-L-D, some of the older artists, the old, good old country music people, but also some of the current singers and songwriters out mu- making music on Music Row. We're about all of them right here on the Y'all Show. And so look forward to featuring not only the music, but lots of good interviews here as we move along with this Music Row feature and a country music segment that we're going to call the Nashville Music Line. Looks like we can't get Precious on the line today, but I promise you we will have her soon, so stick around. And She is a a, a machine when it comes to talking, so I'm going to have to put a button on her that I can buzz whenever she gets too long-winded because she's a, a, a like a machine gun. She's... So maybe it's good she wasn't on today. We I need to warn you about her, but a good warning. She's a, a special person. She's really an angel. She actually saved somebody's life. This is someone who's pretty much has a hard time walking herself. But several years ago, she was driving on 840, I think it was, or 440 in Nashville. And there was a wreck. She got out and, and did CPR and saved someone's life. She was awarded by the American Heart Association for that. We featured that in Y'all Magazine, the magazine that I started and published. So uh, she's, she, she truly is a lifesaver, a, a special person, Precious Harris. And I look forward to introducing you to Miss Harris, the Kentuckian that she is very soon. All right, we will segue now to history in the next segment. We're going to tell you all about the first Seminole War. What in the world was that? Well, stick around. We'll tell you all about it. This is the Y'all Show, the show all about y'all. Talk with a southern accent. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirabet on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Reese and Irvy's here, the world's first and only frozen yogurt and ice cream dispensing robot franchise. Today, we're talking with Peter Shapiro, one of our 235 national franchisees. What drew you to starting a Reese and Irvy's franchise? You know, I immediately saw the potential behind the technology. Interactive touchscreen ordering, customized flavor combinations, robotic delivery, music and animation. What excites you about the potential of your Reese and Irvy's franchise? Well, it's the support and value we see from recent Irvies, from marketing, training, securing high traffic locations such as malls and universities to logistic support. They've just made it easy. Would you recommend a recent Irvies franchise to others? Absolutely. Look, I now own a business that drives revenue 24 seven with no employees or additional labor. Would I recommend one? I already have. 
Interested in a recent Irvies franchise of your own? Simply go to FroyoFranchising.com and enter promo code 3636 to learn more. That's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 3636. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. And that is the marching band of Florida State University and their popular song, War Chant. We want to remind you in hour two of today's Y'all Show, we're going to have ACC insider Jonathan Leifheit of 24-7 Sports come on and talk about the Atlantic Coast Conference, getting ready for an exciting 2018 football season. Clemson, certainly a big part of that. They've been the ACC champion for roughly three years in a row and played for a national championship, won a national championship. We'll see how good the Tigers are going to be this year. We'll also glance around the rest of the conference. You've got teams like Miami and also NC State that had a good season in 2017. How will they do in 2018? And the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, a team that's near and dear to Jonathan, will get a full report on all things ACC, including the Florida State Seminoles, all of that in hour two of today's Y'all Show. John Raw, glad to have you back on the program on a Wednesday. And that music there helped help kind of remind me about the proud history of the Seminoles. Florida State got the blessing of the Seminole tribe of Florida to continue using their nickname Seminoles about 10 years ago when all the other college programs around the country did not have a backbone and didn't stand up to the NCAA when they were trying to get rid of Indian mascot names. FSU did, to their credit, and they still are the Seminoles. And so what we're going to do right now on this show is something I love, and we're going to bring this to you as you know, as a regular feature each week on y'all, and that's going to be our South, our history. History is such a huge thing that's overlooked by so many people across all walks of life, including education. I'm sorry, history is not that important to education, and it... <laughs> I love history. I, I don't I don't really think that it was that important when I was coming through school twenty five, thirty years ago. It was a it was a class. You had to take it. But for the most part, history was not as important as your English and your math classes and and the other subjects that are important. They're all important, but history just seemed to me to not be as important then. And I think it certainly declined in the last 20 to 25 years in education and in culture. You know, we care more about sports, and I love sports. We care more about the Hollywood stars, and I love the Hollywood stars. I'm sure you do too. But history is what defines us as a people. And here in the South, we have a proud history. We have a history where we, in some of the states, were the original 13 colonies. 
we have parts of our region that were important in the development of the United States, the push to the Mississippi River, the push to the Pacific Ocean, all part of the southern region. And we're going to accentuate the South on this show. So that includes the history. That includes the positive and the negative of Dixie. We love the South, and sometimes things weren't perfect here. I get it. But sometimes things were absolutely awesome, and the South has been, I think, the, I'm going to use this word a lot on this show, the trendsetter for the entire United States. We are the United States. We're the South. And if you're a Southerner, lift your head up high, lift that chin up, be proud you're a Southerner, because Charlie Daniel said it best, the South's going to do it again. Okay, well, I, as a fan of history and a fan of military history, there's something that I discovered this week that I don't really know a lot about. I doubt many of you do either. You've heard of it, but you probably don't know much about it. And I'm talking about the Seminole War, speaking of Florida State. And I didn't realize it, but there were multiple Seminole Wars. And right now on the Y'all Show, we're going to spotlight the first Seminole War, which happened 200 years ago this week. In fact, there is many, uh, many historians kind of agree that this, this uh, 200-year mark this month marks the end of the war, but there is some confusion about exactly when the war ended. And one of the key figures with the first Seminole War was Andrew Jackson. Yes, that Andrew Jackson of Battle of New Orleans fame who ended up becoming a president. Well, between the Battle of New Orleans in 1814 and when he became president many years later, Andrew Jackson was still a uniformed member of the U.S. military, and he was involved in the conflict down in Florida and along the Florida, Georgia, Florida, Alabama border. There was that area of Florida was still at that time part of Spain. So the first Seminole War began when Andrew Jackson went into an excursion into West Florida, which was a republic at that time, and Spanish Florida. And this was around 1816. And he went after the Seminoles after the conclusion of the War of 1812. Great Britain and Spain both expressed outrage over this invasion, and this was around Pensacola that Andrew Jackson went down in there. And Spain was unable to defend the control of that territory, even though Spain owned it. They agreed that they just it was too far away. Spain had its own problems, and I think that's why Andrew Jackson, along with the U.S. government and the leaders of the government at that time, pretty much saw that if they could stake somewhat of a claim in Florida, that ultimately Spain would give it up and sell it or cede it, which is exactly what happened in 1819, and the transfer took place in 1821. So with the U.S. uh, soldiers coming into West Florida and stirring things up, well, that stirred up the Indians. That stirred up the Seminole Indians, to be exact, in that part of Florida. And there there were battles, skirmishes, nothing major, but essentially what you had were the natives there along with escaped slaves. In fact, they were really scared that those escaped slaves would help lead to more kind of a revolt in that part of Georgia and Alabama, and slaves would leave plantations in those surrounding states and go into Spanish Florida 
seeking freedom, and they did do that. And but to, it never got too out of uh, control for the you know the Americans where that was a, a major turning point. But there were some of that, and so there was there were battles. They had a fort along the Apalachicola, uh, Florida. Just if you haven't been there, great spot on the Gulf Coast. Uh, there was a fort on the river Apalachicola River, which flows into the Gulf, but it actually ends up going north, which is now the border between Georgia and in Alabama and then it turns and and it becomes the Chattahoochee River uh and heads toward Atlanta and and Lake Hartwell not not Lake Hartwell Lake Lanier just north of Atlanta all that is you know the Chattahoochee slash Apalachicola River so the first Seminole War again 200 years ago it kind of came to a a stoppage ultimately Spain took over we're going to listen now to a video that I found on YouTube called The First Seminole War, The Fight for Florida. We're going to play a little portion of this now for you, let you get a better feel for the First Seminole War from 200 years ago. The Seminole Resistance, The First Seminole War, The Fight for Florida. The Seminole Wars were conflicts between the Seminole Native Americans and the United States. The Seminoles were found primarily in Florida and are also referred to as the Unconquered People. This name was a self-ascribed term adopted by the Seminoles. Unconquered People meant to signify that the Seminoles were the descendants of a small band of Indians. That band of Indians was able to avoid being defeated by the U.S. Army in the 1800s. The First Seminole War was the first conflict between the Seminole Indians of Florida and the U.S. In 1816, U.S. troops destroyed an old British post in pursuit of runaway slaves. This post was located at Prospect Bluff in northwestern Florida, also known as Negro Fort. It was called that because it had become a sanctuary for runaways and a Seminole stronghold. After that attack, raids and counter-raids started from the Seminoles. November 21, 1817, Major David Twiggs attacked the Seminole village at Fowltown and drove the Seminoles deep into the swamp. In retaliation, the Indians ambushed a boatload of troops at Fort Scott on November 30th and killed many. As a result of this attack, General Andrew Jackson was ordered to move into the area with regular infantry, militia, Indian scouts, and a force of about 3,500 people. Moving through Seminole territory, Jackson and his men burned down villages and seized livestock. They outnumbered the Seminole Native Americans, but they had very little resistance to their attack. Seminole war chief named Kawakuchi spoke. The whites dealt unjustly by me. I came to them. They deceived me. The land I was upon I loved. My body is made up in sands. The great spirit gave me legs to walk hands to aid myself, eyes to see its ponds, rivers, forests, and game, then a head with which I think. Later in the Second Seminole War, this chief was captured by the Americans with another Indian chief named Osceola. Although the Seminoles were fighting back, Jackson believed he was doing the right thing. He said, any man worth his salt will stick up for what he believes right, but it takes a slightly better man to acknowledge instantly and without reservation that he is in error. April 6, Jackson captured the Spanish garrison at St. Mark's and Peter McQueen's Red Stick Village six days later. On April 16, Jackson attacked a settlement called Nero. Nero was a Suwannee River settlement that was run by a Maluto named Nero. 
Nero set himself as the head of up to a hundred fugitive slaves and fought against Jackson and his men with a spiritual defense, but in the end they were forced to leave the trial. The concluding phase for the First Seminole War was the trial and execution of a pair of Englishmen from Nyasia in the Bahamas. One of the men was a British Army officer named Robert Armbrister and was charged with the involvement in a scheme to seize Florida. He was killed intentionally by a firing squad. Another man was a Scotch trader named Alexander Arbuthnot and was accused of inciting Indians to go to war against the U.S. He was hung from the yard arm of his own vessel. Jackson's harsh treatment to these men was considered as an international incident. This campaign was able to break the back of the Seminole resistance for some time. Although this war had ended, it led into the Second Seminole War and also to the U.S. acquisition of Florida from Spain in 1819. In the next two Seminole Wars, the Second and the Third, many battles were fought, and the most celebrated chieftain of the five American troops for two years, named Osceola, said, we shall fight till the last drop of seminal blood has moistened the dust of our hunting ground. Okay, we got that from YouTube from Alexander Catalina, the first Seminole War. Some photos going along with that if you see the video version of that. We appreciate uh, the ability to share that with you and let you learn a little bit more about this date from 200 years ago, the end of the first Seminole War. And if it's the first, that means there were sequels. There was a second. There was even a third Seminole War. So a lot of a lot of skirmishes and a lot of questions that had to be answered between the, I guess you could call it, the invading Yankee Army of the U.S. Army at that time. We're talking 1820s, 30s, 40s, taking over Florida. And you had a resistant native tribe, Seminole tribe, that didn't want them there. And they fought hard. And there were treaties where many Seminoles, just like their Cherokee brethren and and Chickasaw brethren went to Oklahoma. You'll find the Seminoles in Oklahoma today, but some found a way to escape the Northerners, the the invaders, and that included Southerners at that time, since we hadn't fought the Civil War yet. But ultimately, some some Seminoles went down to the Everglades and hid out, and and you'll still find Seminoles who never went to Oklahoma. But all of this can be traced back to the origins of when the Spaniards had Florida as a settlement and the U.S. and their quest to expand did a land grab, you could say, and ultimately worked it out with Spain, took over the, the territory, and it became a state. I think Florida became a state in 1821, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere along those lines. I've, I'll have to look it up. But that is the history of the First Seminole War I certainly did an injustice. If you want to know more, please look it up. But it was such a, a major part of the story of Florida and surrounding states, Georgia, Alabama, and you could even see traces of what happened there leading to the development of Mississippi and ultimately what we know of as the uh, the purchase with, with France getting the, the, the area that we know of as Louisiana and the Louisiana Purchase all of the states that came as a result of that, you could see an offshoot from from our development with the Spaniards down in Florida, First Seminole War. All right, there's your history lesson. Our South, hopefully we'll cover the subsequent Seminole Wars on future episodes of the Y'all Show. We'll put an end to the first hour of today's show. 
We will come right back in hour two and we'll talk some inspirational tweets and a really feel-good story coming out of the city of Houston, Texas. And we'll talk some ACC football with Jonathan Leifite of 247sports.com. How will the Clemson Tigers do in 2018? We'll tell you all about it as hour two comes right around the corner. You're listening to The Y'all Show with John Rawl. Are you breaking up with me on a roller coaster? Well, we do have a lot of fun. Maybe we should stay together. An emotional roller coaster? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to Geico. I just need a little me time. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I love my family. But last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data. Again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family. (laughs) For a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831 First line $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 kilobits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. What do you hear? Most people just hear an engine. We hear a 6.2-liter Hemi V8 with a supercharger that accelerates so fast, it'll suck the air out of your lungs and knock you back in your seat like you're an astronaut in a rocket ship hurtling through the stratosphere. But then again, we're not most people. We're the Brotherhood of Muscle. Dodge. Domestic. Not domesticated. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Back with you on uh, hour two of today's Y'all Show Wednesday, y'all. John Rawl, glad to have you back. If you want to reach out to us, the number to do so, let your fingers do the walking. 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. That's a number you can call, text. You can praise us. You can complain. We'll take it all right here on the Y'all Show. And on Twitter, we're at Y-A-L-L Show, Y'all Show on Twitter. Well, it's Wednesday, and for many Southerners, that means, hey, you got to go to church tonight. Now, I had it easy growing up. I was not a Southern Baptist, so we didn't have to go to church, our, our religion, Lutheran. We, uh, we're just the once-a-week kind of folks, and, and we don't even have to go every week without, you know, some religions, you got to go every Sunday, or you're going to get that phone call from somebody in the congregation wanting to know if everything was okay. Well, uh, 
maybe you are like me, you, you, you probably went to a church that maybe you didn't get those kind of calls. But a lot of people still get those calls. If you don't show up on Sunday morning, you're going to get a call. Maybe out of uh, respect, maybe out of just genuinely concerned about your health, or maybe they're just being nosy. Who knows? But it is Wednesday, so if you do have to go to, to church tonight, then uh, don't, uh, don't forget, it's Wednesday, and have a good, good time there and learn all about our Lord and Savior. Well, on this show, we're going to do some inspiration on Wednesday each and every week and kind of remind you what a special place the South is and the special people that live in the South. And our Wednesday inspiration this week comes from Houston, where a police officer recently saw a man in need at a local Walmart, and this police officer decided to take action. And because she did that, it turned into a sweet act of kindness. 25-year-old police officer Kirsten Korizak, who's been an officer for just over a year, was in the Walmart parking lot when she saw an ambulance leaving and noticed that a man who appeared kind of groggy and with a bandage on his arm, he had suffered a diabetic episode while attempting to leave the store. She went in to check on how the man was doing and did he need further medical attention, when she learned that while he was receiving medical care that someone stole his groceries. Can you believe that? And after the shopper shared that he didn't have much money left and was on a fixed income, the officer offered to replace the stolen items, spending about $25 of her own money to help him buy healthy items like vegetables and oatmeal. A great story coming from Houston, Texas. Officer Korjak with the Houston Police Department and she said that she understood how bad diabetes can be, and she didn't want to see the person suffering. He wasn't having a great day. He wasn't feeling good. That's part of my job, to care about people and to help people. What a great story. You know, back the blue. The, the blue, they're not all bad guys. In fact, they're almost all wonderful people, guys, girls, everybody involved in law enforcement. Yes, they do have... Uh, one person every blue moon to uh, maybe not represent them in the way that they should be all, at all times represented, but just a good story, and the right story, the, the, the kind of story that reminds you that uh, being kind goes, goes for everybody. You don't have to be a certain type of uh, volunteer to, to go out there and help someone. It's just, it's just the right thing to do sometimes to help help out. So good story there coming from the state of Texas with that officer doing doing a good thing. Now, segueing to another addition to the Y'all Show that we're going to add to you, and that's feedback. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you all are saying about the South. And we're going to go to our hashtag, the hashtag parade, we could call this, and <laughs> help me come up with a better name. And you can do that by hashtag Y'all Show. Hashtag Y-A-L-L-S-H-O-W is the way to do that. But we want to reach out to you on social media through Twitter or our soon our forthcoming Facebook page. And we're just going to hashtag it up here on y'all and get your input, your feedback, and your fun. I found this on Twitter, and I thought that I would uh, talk about this North Carolina-based company for a minute. Because if you haven't been to one, you really should soon because they're spreading like fire ants all over the southeast. This tweet comes from M. McHenry Music. Great lunch as usual. Well, I'd say for fast food other than five guys, at cookout is about the best for burgers and fries, and by far the sweet tea. I'm particular about my southern sweet tea. 
hashtag good eating, hashtag food. M. McHenry Music, you're absolutely right. Cookout, which started in 1989 in Greensboro, North Carolina, really has caught on in many uh, southern states. Looking at their map, they are not only in their native North Carolina with plenty of locations, but they've grown to be in South Carolina big time. They're in Georgia. They have grown to be in Tennessee. They go all the way to Memphis. They've got a store coming soon to Jackson, Tennessee, 4 Stonebridge Boulevard in North Jackson. They're down in Mississippi, uh, Alabama. They are, like we said, in South Carolina, except they're not in Charleston for whatever crazy reason. They're not along the the uh, low country or the the Grand Strand areas of South Carolina. They're not in coastal North Carolina. So I'm not sure what's going on with you, Cookout, but at least from Greensboro all the way to the Mississippi River, including in Texas, uh, including in Kentucky, and some in Virginia, they uh, they're they're doing pretty good. And I like them. My son loves them because they have great food, great shakes, and they're not too expensive. I mean, and they have awesome tea. The only problem I got with you, Cookout, you have the worst trash cans I've ever seen at any restaurant. You must have to go lift weights to be able to throw something away in their trash can. They have a, a certain type of rubber-made trash can that when you get your food and you're ready to leave and you go to throw it away, it takes a lot of effort to open up the little door to throw your trash, and the thing flips right back on you if you're if you're not careful. And it's just bizarre. I don't, I don't know why they have it like that. Now, that's bad. I'm not sure that the... Chick-fil-A that I recently went to may have a worse trash can. They have a, they're trying to be fancy at this Chick-fil-A. They have a button you push that it like opens up and you can stick your trash into this hole when the button push. Just give me a, just get me a trash bag, people. I, it doesn't take much to just get rid of your waste. And, uh, but I will give a cookout while I'm picking on about the trash can. They do something I haven't seen before in many of the cookout locations. They have a sink near the counter where you order your food, where you can wash your hands without having to go to the bathroom. In fact, I saw someone at a cookout in Mississippi who was in a wheelchair, and they went and used that before they ordered their food. So that's kind of a neat thing, something you don't see every day, a a sink just for washing hands right there in the main part of the restaurant. Another Tweet coming in from Gone underscore Coastal, and they spell Gone at G-A-W-N underscore Coastal. And this tweet with a picture attached says, Cutter just can't beat off. And they've got a picture of a can of off spray. You know, this is the time of year where we have skeeters everywhere. You got flies, gnats. Uh, just the, 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 the south is a cool place, but we do have our share of insects. And this... At Gone Coastal wants everybody to know that off is the best spray for going outdoors. So <laughs> appreciate that. Hashtag Southern from that tweet. We have a tweet coming in from Hongo K2. Southern Charm cannot wait for tonight's episode. That is the Bravo series filmed in Charleston, South Carolina with Thomas Ravenel. And he is uh, he's someone that has money and looks and has the southern charm but just google thomas ravenel i don't want to get into his story too much but he hasn't been prince charming at all times in his life and anyway it's an interesting show on bravo it certainly 
uh, does a fairly good job of promoting the South and, and Charleston to be specific. They even have had a spinoff from Southern Charm. I think it's called something like Shep's World or something along those lines with one of the characters off that show. But anything Southern, even if it's hokey, even if it's maybe not the most positive of all times, we're all about it. Because I can't stand another New York or L.A.-based show. We've seen those cities for 100 years on television. Let's get more of the Charlestons, more of the Nashvilles, more of the Birminghams, more of the Jackson, Mississippis of all places. Yeah, we we could stand a series somewhere in Mississippi or Kentucky or whatever. So uh, appreciate that feedback, feedback Hongko, NK, Nongko K2. This tweet from Nadas underscore yes. Is there anything more Southern than watching fireflies over a cornfield? Well, I have to admit that's that's pretty Southern. Now, what is funny about that tweet is, you know, here in the South, some people call them fireflies. Some people call them lightning bugs. In fact, I saw a map somewhere on social media last summer, and it kind of had a map showing where people say fireflies and where people say lightning bugs. And then there's some places that they are interchangeable. But yes, go out there around sunset here in Dixie uh, in this time of this time of year. It is a beautiful thing if you're able to see a display of lightning bug lightning bugs slash fireflies. The choice is yours, which word you want to use. Finally, a tweet from NDN Savage. I only like to be called ma'am if it's with a southern accent or if you've dedicated your karaoke song to me and it's walking in Memphis. Hashtag accents. Hashtag southern. Okay. I assume that you are a female Indian savage and yeah, ma'am is a good, but uh, yeah, do you want a person with a Connecticut accent or Massachusetts accent constantly saying ma'am to you? It's just it's more special if you have that southern drawl, y'all. All right, we appreciate all that feedback on social media, on Twitter. And again, our Twitter account is at y'all show. Hashtag us. Whatever you've got on your mind, we want to hear about it here at the program. And we'll, we'll uh, if we dig in the mailbag and we like what we see on there, we'll bring it out on next week's installment of hashtag Hashtag madness, maybe that's a better name. Hashtag parade is what I called it earlier, but whatever. We want to promote all y'all, including your social media feedback. On the show coming up next, we've got Jonathan Leifite of 247sports.com, and Mr. Leifite is going to put the ACC front and center, and we'll discuss football, we'll discuss Georgia Tech, and we'll even discuss a little college baseball as Georgia Tech had the number two player drafted in the Major League Draft just a few weeks ago. So we'll have all that coming up here on today's Y'all Show. We'll be right back. I love my family, but last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family. (laughs) For a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. 
Plus get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831.18. First line's $100 a month. Lines two and three are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 gigabits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. Welcome back to the Y'all Show, where we talk all things Southern, and that the sound of Tiger Rag from the Clemson University Band. And when you get to win as many conference championships as the Clemson football team has in recent years, well, we're going to play Tiger Rag on this show, but we're also going to play the fight songs of other ACC members here on this all-Southern show. So FSU, War Chant, yep, we've got it. Georgia Tech fans, we've got Ramblin' Wreck and Up With The White and Gold. We've got it all right here on the Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl, and we're going to go to Atlanta, Georgia now and welcome in our next guest, Jonathan Leifheit of 247sports.com, and that is a division of CBS Sports Interactive. Did I get all that right, Jonathan? I, I think you got it close enough to, to count, so I think we're good. Good enough for government work. All right. Well, Jonathan yep. has been for many, many years a key contributor to the what was Scout.com network and now the 247sports.com network, and we're going to tap into his great knowledge of Georgia Tech in the next segment. But right now, we're going to get Jonathan's take on the entire ACC as it is June, but believe it or not, kickoff, it'll, it'll be here before you know it in college football, and we're going to be right here on the Y'all Show telling you all about not only the SEC, but the ACC and other teams throughout the South whether they're in a group of five conference or if they're a smaller school. But we'll, we'll focus mostly on the SEC and ACC. But, hey, if another team goes undefeated, we'll tell you about it right here on the Y'all Show. All right, Jonathan, I, I wasn't uh, too far off when I opened up this segment playing a little Clemson University Tiger Rag because they seem to have had quite the spell on the ACC and really the whole nation these last few years. Well, yeah, that they have. I mean, uh, you look at what they've done, uh, you know, multiple appearances in the national championship game, got themselves a national championship. Uh, last year, they made it to the to the, to the the uh, semifinals. Uh, I think they've been in, 
what is it, four or five straight now that they've been in uh, in there on the uh, in the game for it all. So, uh, yeah, Debo Sweeney's got them on quite the roll. Yeah, it's, it's quite a compliment whenever you and I, who do this stuff on a regular basis, can't really give you the exact number. We've lost count. So what yeah, we have, yeah, that's true. It's kind of, kind of, uh, kind of uh, hard to to keep up with it all. All the success they've had in recent years, and that's a great uh, attribute to Dabo Swinney and the program he runs. And I guess the, so. Fans want to know if you're not a fan of the orange and northwestern purple, when is this dynasty gonna end? Yeah, you know that's a good question, and I'll tell you, it won't be in 2018. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, and tell us why. Well, it, you, you kind of go look, and well, let's first off, let's you know see what outsiders think, and you know usually what's the best place to go and look for uh, for a pretty objective opinion, and that's let's go to Vegas. And when you look at the the, the over under on some of the teams in the ACC, um, it will come as little surprise to you that uh, Clemson leads the pack at ten and a half. Uh, They're over under. Um, on top of that, if you look at the some returning uh, you know production numbers. Uh, they are second in the ACC in terms of returning production. And then you look on both sides of the ball, they got seven starters back on offense and a stunning nine back on a very good defense. So uh, they are going to be a big-time handful for anybody they play in any conference uh, in 2018. All right. Well, Jonathan, let me ask you the question then that everybody wants to know. If, if Clemson is going to be really good this year, then who possibly could give them somewhat of a run for the money in the ACC? Well, if you believe Vegas, then that team would probably be Miami, and I probably would tend to concur with them at this point. Uh, you know, um, Mark Richt had quite the fairy tale run last year. They went out to a 10-0 and run and then, of course, lost their last three games, but they, they really looked good. I think they were living on a little bit of a prayer for most of that year, but you know, most people, when they looked at uh, at Miami, they were not pointing to 2017 as their year. They were actually saying it was going to be 2018. And, and uh, you know, if you look at their returning production, 69% of that's back. And that's, you know, the, the, the offensive leaders and, the, and the, the guys on defense that are making those tackles. Uh, Vegas has them, as I mentioned, at nine and a half. And then they've got eight starters returning on offense and eight on defense. So a lot of experience coming back from uh, – from a pretty darn good squad last year. So I think those are going to be your two. Uh, probably when we go into the ACC media days in July, um, you're going to see Clemson is probably the consensus pick on the Atlantic side and Miami on the coastal side. And those team, two teams, of course, met up in the ACC championship in Charlotte back in December. And the Canes ended up losing, what, the last three games of the season, or was it four? I can't No, uh, last three. They ended up 10-3. and three. Okay, 10-3. and three. All right. Well, they had such an, uh, a surprise yet rewarding season, but the last three games ended up being setbacks for Mark Rick's squad. But still, it, it, college football is better when Miami is at least somewhat competitive. I didn't say they had to win the national championship, but for them to be as bad as they've been the last 15 years – it doesn't bode well for college football. Yeah, and, and you know, there's really been no excuse. They, they, they get all the talent you could possibly want. So, uh, you know, from, from that perspective, they should have been, um, you know, moving along a lot better than they have in the, in the, in yeah. the standings. And what that means, friends, now that Penn State is halfway decent, Miami's back, we're looking at you, Nebraska. You're, you're the next team that needs to either uh, show back up in some sense or, or just give up football. 
But we're focusing on ACC football right now. So, Jonathan, let's continue to look around the ACC. We've talked about the Tigers. We've talked about the Canes. Who else out there should fans be paying attention to in the fall of 2018? Well, I, I think it'll probably come as no shock when you start to look at uh, probably the, the consensus pick for number two on the Atlantic side. It'll probably be Florida State. Um, uh, you know, and Florida State will be an interesting team to watch because uh, um, Jimbo Fisher picked up his uh, picked up his uh, bags and, and headed out to uh, College Station for Texas A&M. And Willie Taggart came in after uh, a short stint up at uh, up at Oregon to take over. So. Um, Taggart had a lot of success down in South Florida, and now he returns back to Florida. So he'll have some pretty good uh, connections into South Florida from a recruiting perspective. But, you know, I, I still think this will be a little bit of a transition year. We'll kind of see what Florida State has. I think they'll be probably up and down as they get, uh, you know, Taggart system installed and kind of learn that. Probably by the end of the year, they'll start to get some rhythm. So, um, But always a ton of talent down in Tallahassee. And, uh, you know, I think folks won't be able to overlook that. We're going to talk to you in depth about Georgia Tech in the next segment. So we'll save a lot of that conversation about the white and gold for a few more minutes. But I will throw a team out there that has been pretty good on the coastal side of the ACC in most years. Last year, I don't know what happened with the North Carolina Tar Heels. How are they going to be this year? Well, you know, that's a, if you look at their season last year, that was a team. It, it reminded me a lot of, uh, you know, you mentioned Georgia Tech. It reminded me a lot of them in 2015. They were utterly racked with injuries the whole year long. It just seemed like um, every week it was another season-ending season injury for somebody. I think at one point they had actually rolled a guy out in uh, uh, as wide receiver that had actually started the year in another position and moved like that week. And yet they still had to play him. I, you know, it got to be um, that bad in Chapel Hill. On top of that, they never really were able to to get a quarterback until later in the year. Uh, Nathaniel Elliott kind of uh, started to to pick up the pace. Uh, they actually went two and two down the stretch, but you know, even he didn't set the world on fire. So they've got to find a quarterback, um, and they got to stay healthy. And then I think you'll see a team that's a little better. The good news for them is, is they have a lot of their production coming back. I think they're third in the ACC in terms of returning production. Uh, eight starters back on offense and seven on defense. So, um, you know, good bit of experience there. Um, a lot of guys got to play last year because of the injury, so they should have um, a fairly experienced squad. But, but uh, you know, we'll just have to kind of keep our eyes on, on, on their quarterback situation because that offense they run, uh, that, spread op- that spread offense that they run, the Fedora, really depends heavily on that quarterback and I don't know that they have another Mitch Trubisky on their uh, on their roster at this point. All right, 7 miles away from Keenan Stadium, what about the Fighting Duke Blue Devils, AC, AC, aka the David Cutcliffs? The Fighting Cl- Cutcliffs. You know, this is a team I think might actually probably surprise some folks. Vegas only has them they're over under at 6, but um, they actually have from a production standpoint the highest percentage of production returning of any team in the ACC. So um, they got a lot of uh, a lot of teams out there, or a lot of uh, players that have have done a lot that are coming back. So this is a team to kind of look out for. Seven returning starters on offense, eight on defense, and uh, I think they had a. I think they'll they'll be a team that could probably plays some some roles. I'm not sure they're good enough to win the coastal, but I do think they're good enough to play spoiler. 
And last year in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we saw Bronco Mendenhall's UVA Cavaliers go out to Boise, pick up a big win. And then we saw Virginia Tech have highs and lows both. So what's going on in the Old Dominion State with the Hoos and the Gobblers? Yeah, so first let's take the Hoos. The Hoos, I think they're going to be a uh, kind of a bad team this year. They okay. they they lose their quarterback, who is a, um, a big part of that. They lose on the other side, Quinn Blanding at safety. Um, they do have a lot of returning starters, but the amount of production, they lost some really key contributors. Um, and I just not so sure that I'm going to see them do so well. Then on the other side, you've got Virginia Tech. Um, they, they just are actually, uh, ironically today, I believe it was, or yesterday, got word that their quarterback was under a, an uh, investigation, Josh Jackson, who had a great uh, kind of first year there. Uh, he was under investigation for an academic matter. Apparently that's been cleared up. Um, if he had, if that hadn't been cleared up, there was a good chance we weren't going to see him. Still no word if, if he might have to serve a suspension or not, but at least he's been cleared to stay with the team. Um, but they did lose a couple uh, of their cornerback starters. Uh, one of them failed out uh, academics, and I think the other one tore an Achilles heel. Uh, heel. So I think their, their defensive side, uh, they only had five starters coming back to begin with, and now they lose uh, two of the projected starters at cornerback. It might be a little thin on that side, uh, at least to start out the season. So um, Vegas has them at eight and a half. I'd go with the under on that one. And uh, Virginia, going back to them, they're at five. I think that's probably about right. I'd probably do a push on that one. All right, we're talking with Jonathan Leifheit of 247sports.com and getting a glance around the ACC. Jonathan, I know we've got to come back to the Atlantic side of the bracket and pick up on some teams we may have missed. Did I, did we, I know we haven't talked about Georgia Tech, but did we cover the other six teams on the coastal side? Yeah, so, I mean, left on the coastal side, you've got uh, – you still got Pitt that's left. Um, uh, they, they're probably going to be a team that's going to struggle offensively, probably be, be decent defense, um, but they're going to struggle offensively to put points on the board. Um, so we'll kind of, kind of, kind of watch how they do, but I, I don't have high hopes for them. They didn't have uh, a coaching think, change, right? Not this year. It seems like, uh, uh, every other year they do have a coaching change. I think they've been through a ridiculous number since they've joined the ACC. I think they've had like four coaches. It just seems like uh, an, an incredible turn of events up there in terms of coaches walking away. So, But, no, I believe they have the same guy coming back uh, this, this okay. time of year. Well, he, he certainly had a rough year last year, but he did big, beat a big uh, – had a big win over Miami there toward the end of the season. So, that, Yeah, they did pull off the upset. I, they were the first one to beat Miami. You know, you could kind of see that coming with the way Miami was living dangerously, mm-hmm. and it finally bit them and, and – Pitt happened to be the team to be there at the right time. For Pitt's sake. All right, uh, before we get out of here and talk Georgia Tech, let's also focus on any teams we may have forgotten about in the Atlantic side. I know we need to talk about the Pack and Wake Forest. Yeah, so the so there's three teams that are probably uh, uh, Louisville. They're a team. Uh, uh, they lost Lamar Jackson, who was uh, you know your Heisman Heisman Trophy winner. I think they're going to be a team that slides. Uh, Vegas has them at eight wins. I think I'd go with the under on that one. Move down to Wake, for, uh, excuse me, to uh, NC State. They're another team. They re- they lost nine of their starters off of, off their defense, uh, and they have seven coming back on offense. I think they're a team that slides uh, from last year. They had a nine-win season. I don't see how they possibly repeat that. Matter of fact, I think they'll struggle to get to bowl eligibility at uh, six or seven uh, from that standpoint. And then finally, Wake Forest. 
Now this is a team I like. I think uh, I think they're headed in the right direction, and and they'll probably be the the team that benefits the most most at the at the expense of NC State and uh, Louisville slipping a little bit. All right, good stuff there. The ACC it's going to be outside of Clemson a race to see who can give the Tigers some kind of competition, and and of course on that coastal side who may end up in the ACC championship again in Charlotte. We will take a timeout on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jonathan about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Could they be a force in the ACC this year? Could they be the darling, the surprise team? We'll talk to Jonathan right after the break about the Jackets. Stay tuned. This is the Y'all Show, y'all. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Smear a bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Reese and Irvy's here, the world's first and only frozen yogurt and ice cream dispensing robot franchise. Today, we're talking with Peter Shapiro, one of our 235 national franchisees. What drew you to starting a Reese and Irvy's franchise? You know, I immediately saw the potential behind the technology. Interactive touchscreen ordering, customized flavor combinations, robotic delivery, music and animation. What excites you about the potential of your Reese and Irvy's franchise? Well, it's the support and value we see from recent Irvies, from marketing, training, securing high traffic locations such as malls and universities to logistics support. They've just made it easy. Would you recommend a recent Irvies franchise to others? Absolutely. Look, I now own a business that drives revenue 24 seven with no employees or additional labor. Would I recommend one? I already have. Interested in a recent Irvies franchise of your own? Simply go to FroyoFranchising.com and enter promo code 3636 to learn more. That's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 3636. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. And we're back on the Y'all Show. John Wall talking to Jonathan Leifheit with GoJackets.com. If you have a question or comment for the Y'all Show, we encourage you to check us out on Twitter. It's at Y'all Show. And if you want to call, leave a question or a comment or anything you want to get off your mind, the number to do that is 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. We're going to talk a lot of college football on the Y'all Show, so if you love the gridiron, then this is the show for you. But we're mixing in music, sports, politics, food, and our guest right now is Jonathan Leifheit of 
247sports.com and the CBS Sports Interactive. And Jonathan loves his college football. He also likes some good barbecue, Jonathan. So the Y'all Show is a great combination of all kinds of things that you like. Yeah, barbecue and football. Does it get any better than that? As a matter of fact, just add a sip of bourbon and I think we're there. <laughs> we'll talk bourbon on this show too. So this is a little bit more than college sports, but we're glad you've joined us here on a network of stations across the South. All right, we're talking about ACC football on today's show, and we've kind of gone through the conference. Jonathan specializes in Georgia Tech sports. His website, gojackets.com, and that is a member of the 24-7 sports family. Jonathan, in Atlanta last year, it was a rough season. The Jackets did not go bowling. They had a, a game against UCF that ended up getting canceled because of a hurricane, and so they didn't even play their allotted number of games and missed out on a bowl, and this is a team that it seems to be in recent years, good one year, bad one year. What is going to change this year for Paul Johnson's crew? Yeah, well, I mean, it, last year was a, was, a, was a season where it just seemed like every time they turned around, they got a bad break to lose a game. You look at, you know, kind of how things started out the season. They were running up and down the field on Tennessee, um, actually had a, a, a couple of opportunities, you know, after blowing a, the lead to win the game late, including a field goal on about the last play of the game. They had a wide receiver wide open. They missed. Just seemed like everything went wrong. I mean, that started out the year. Uh, Miami had a ridiculous uh, fourth down catch uh, that had, you know, it def- deflected off of two Georgia Tech players and into the hands of the receiver to get them a first down. And then they kicked the field goal to win it, you know. And then, you know, it just seemed like once that stuff happens, it kind of snowballs a little bit. And uh, they had a couple of bad losses, you know, later in the year against uh, Duke and UVA. Uh, and, it, you know, so it just seemed like the breaks went against them. So the good news is, is they were right there and uh, darn near every game um, and uh, had the breaks gone their way. Could have been a really good season, but alas, that's not what happened. What are the biggest losses for the Jackets in 2018? Well, I think the probably the biggest loss is going to be the, the secondary players that uh, uh, on the defensive side. Um, Georgia Tech replaces their defensive coordinator, uh, Ted Roof. He takes off to the Wolfpack, and they bring in uh, the former defensive coordinator from Appalachian State, Nate Woody. He brings with him a 3-4. Um, he's going to have decent depth up front, but his secondary, all four of the starters back there, um, are all gone, uh, including a surprise loss of A.J. Gray. Um, he ended up with a, a congenital uh, a heart defect of some sort uh, that they found uh, during the offseason this year and basically ruled him out from playing anymore. So they were expected to have a big player back in him. Uh, they end up losing him as well. So all four of the, uh, all four of the secondary members, and then they also, uh, I believe it was, I can't remember, if they, I guess they lost also one of the linebackers. Um, so it looks to me like, uh, you know, they'll have a good up front, but the secondary is going to have to get, uh, kind of get tested and, and they probably will get tested early and often, uh, they're going to have to step it up. Speaking of testing, you just mentioned gray and um, thank goodness that uh, heart ailment was discovered. Is this something they test for like every year, every few months for things like this? I'm, to be honest, I think it was caught as part of uh, some other things that were going on. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure that they do this kind of routine testing, but uh, I, I really couldn't tell you one way or the other. I just okay. know that they caught it during the off season, And, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, you know, this is why you make a, a 40-year decision and not a four-year decision 
when you're uh, when you're a high school player. Right, and we are talking about the Georgia Institute of Technology, so maybe they've got some fancy machinery there with the Georgia Tech football <laughs> program that other schools don't have. Uh, certainly wish him the best. And wasn't he the star of the Florida State game several years ago? Uh, I don't recall which one you're talking about, the, but the, I don't think the, the that return was him. the the return miss kick. No, right? that was uh, Lance Austin. Oh, okay, sorry. My apologies, yep. and, and I'm going to guess that Lance Austin's already out of the program because he graduated or something. Yeah, he graduated. Uh, actually, he was a senior last year, okay. so he graduated. Him and his twin brother, Lawrence, both of them uh, graduated. Wow. Well, that's good stuff. If you don't remember, that was the year that Georgia Tech did not have a good year, but the one good memory was when they knocked off a top five Florida State team, maybe on a Thursday night. And a- yeah, it was actually a Saturday night. And it was, I believe they were ranked third. Okay. Okay, sorry on my dates of the – that, right. but it's been a couple of years now, so give me give me some cred. So you talked about the departures. Now, of course, when you run the kind of offense Paul Johnson runs with the triple option in Atlanta, then a lot of that comes down to how solid your quarterback is. So where do we stand with the Jackets in 2018 on that front? Well, uh, Taquan Marshall had a pretty darn good year for the most part. Um, I think uh, he really had a quite a coming out party against Tennessee. Uh, had a had a fantastic night. Nobody was really sure what to expect out of him. So they have a, a, a returning experienced quarterback who's had a lot of success. So I think that bodes well. He'll he should have a lot more comfort kind of heading into year two leading the offense. Uh, so that should bode well. You typically when uh, when Tech has a uh, experienced quarterback, they do all right. Although I have to admit when Justin Thomas took over, uh, he did pretty good in year one as well. All right. So you've got the quarterback with some some veteran experience there, and and of course we mentioned about a defensive coordinator change. Ted Roof. Now you said at NC State, and they brought in the guy that had been at App State, and before that he was the coordinator at Wofford. Did a good job in the FCS ranks on the defensive front. So what about the backs, the A backs and the B backs in this triple option scheme? Where do we stand yes. with that? Uh, every one of them comes back. Dante wow. Benson at B-back, and then he'll be backed up by Jerry Howard. And then you've got Clay Searcy and Clinton Lynch uh, probably be backed up by Nathan Cottrell. There's a couple others that will probably see some time, Omari Jarrett. Um, and then uh, along the line, four out of the five return there, Kenny Cooper, Parker Braun. Um, there's a host at Will Bryan, and I'm, I'm blanking out on, on some of the others, but there's several. That'll be a deep a pretty deep and experienced line, I believe, kind of going into this year, probably one of the more uh, deeper lines that we've had. And then finally at wide receiver, Brad Stewart returns. He's been a, um, a contributor for three, three years. So he'll, he'll probably be the, the main guy this, this fourth year. Um, and then the, the other departure, uh, was Ricky June, who was the opposite wide receiver was the go-to guy at wide receiver for, for Marshall last year. So, um, this is gonna, this offense will return nine out of 11. And uh, I think uh, if they can get a, a good kind of relationship working with uh, with the wide receivers like uh, like uh, Marshall had last year with Ricky June, I think they'll be a pretty darn good offense. What is the over under on the Jackets here in 2018? Well, uh, ironically, let's let me go back here and take a look. They actually Vegas has it at six, and I would actually be inclined to go with the over on that one. I think that they can get past that. I think. Uh, there's a couple teams like UVA at five. I don't know that they'll get there. They might. I think Virginia Tech, uh, given some of their losses, uh, and Georgia Tech's actually beaten them the last two years. So I think those are a couple teams there, uh, UNC being at home. So I think there's some opportunities for Tech to pick up some wins. 
but Tech does have a pretty darn uh, difficult schedule. Uh, first off, you know, in addition to their their coastal foes, they've also got Clemson from the other side, um, and then they also have uh, uh, Georgia, which will be in Atlanta and South Florida on the road. So it is not going to be an easy schedule for the Jackets this coming year. Uh, matter of fact, I'm consistently seeing them called out as having one of the, the tougher schedules uh, across the country this year. So six wins, I get why Vegas is there. I think they can probably eke out a seventh. I'm not sure if they can get past that. Jonathan, I don't mean to question you. You are the authority, but you mentioned that the Georgia-Georgia Tech game, clean old-fashioned hate, was in Atlanta this year. Is that is that true? Um, you know what? It's actually, believe, it's actually time for that it, game to be in Athens. It is in Athens. You're okay. right. I am, apologize for that. I <laughs> uh, blanked out on that one completely. Because I remember being in Georgia in November and listening to that other university that resides in the state talking about how that trip to Atlanta to face Georgia Tech there just after Thanksgiving could be the first of three straight t- trips to Atlanta for them to close out 2017. And guess what? That actually happened as they went back and played in the SEC championship, won that, and then they came back for a national championship game. Now, i got to tell you, Jonathan, you you and I really haven't talked much since January. So just how how much better do you feel that your rival in the state of Georgia – came within a whisker winning, but they didn't win. They didn't win. And the team that's still in the state of Georgia that last won a national <laughs> championship was the Georgia Institute of Technology in 1990. Yeah, I, I tell you, uh, watching that, uh, I didn't even watch that game. I was so sick about the prospect of them of them winning. <laughs> I'll just be quite honest with you. I woke up, I, I checked the score before I went to, to bed. I believe the score was 13 to nothing. Uh, when I checked it, I woke up in the morning and saw the score, and all I really did was breathe a sigh of relief. I got to work, and I thought, well, maybe I ought to check and see what happened. And then when I saw what happened, I just, I just kind of chuckled to myself. <laughs> I, I wasn't like overly happy because uh, God help them, they made it that close and that far, and it doesn't make me feel very good about it. But thank God, yeah. because if we'd had to live in a state where they where they won it. Uh, it would have been unbearable for, for all of us in the white and gold. Wow. Well, again, I guess it's a good thing that it ter- didn't turn out the way that the dog fans wanted, but good good for jacket fans. All right, yeah. so there we have it on the football front. Before we get out of here for you, Jonathan, some um, looking at Georgia Tech in other terms. Hey, first of all, if you watch the jackets this fall, you may not recognize them. They're going to have a new uniform supplier, Adidas. So the uh, – you know- you know how much I love talking about uniforms. Well, I know you don't, but as a fan, <laughs> Georgia Tech was really the only Power 5 school that I know of that still had Russell Athletics. So. Uh, they were the only school that had Russell Athletics. So um, I can already tell you that um, you know some of the stuff we're seeing in terms of practice gear, uh, all the things that, that is coming out. We, we saw some of the basketball. They, they showed some basketball stuff. Um, they haven't really, they've done a little bit on the, on the uniforms, but, um, it, it's going to be a boon for Georgia Tech simply because now there'll be, uh, you know, easier and, and better obtainable gear within, you know, within the, the, the marketplace. On top of that, um, uh, Todd Stansberry, athletic director, led an effort to standardize the gold. Hopefully we'll get a consistent gold, uh, available in the stuff that's worn. So, you know, you can establish a, a firm identity in the marketplace 
and uh, and go from there. So all of the moves that Stansbury's made, including the Adidas uh, stuff with with uh, with regard to uniforms, I'm I'm pretty happy with. Uh, like I said, I'm not a big uniform guy. I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, march them out there and peak choo-choos. As long as they win every game, I'm good with it. Oh, I so. love uniforms, so we disagree. <laughs> hey, so. I, I got to ask you this question. Speaking of uniforms, are you ready to go out and buy a San Francisco Giants baseball uniform? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay, well, the Giants recently drafted in the second number, second overall pick in the draft. A former Joey Bart. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bart, a former Georgia Tech catcher. So tell us about how cool that is. Well, that, that's awesome. I think it, uh, you know, it goes to show you some of the talent that uh, and how they develop it down at Georgia Tech. Uh, Danny Hall's kind of struggled in, in recent years, but he's still getting good players in there, and they're still developing them. And then, you know, this will just be good publicity for Tech, especially since I believe Bart also received the highest uh, the highest contract or the highest bonus it's ever been awarded in, in as to a rookie in, in history of Major League Baseball. So, um, you know, good for him. Uh, he, he's he's going to be making some bank now. That's right. Does he owe you any money? Uh, no, he doesn't. Okay. Well, that was your chance. Unfortunately, That was your chance. I saw him interviewed this week out in San Francisco. He was attending a game in person wearing his Giants hat and, and very excited about the opportunity to become a professional baseball players so congratulations to joey bart who i believe is a georgia native does that sound right uh yeah i do believe they're correct on that a lot of the players from from uh, ed tech uh come out of local programs they do a very good job of recruiting the state all right well the website is gojackets.com and jonathan lifehide has taken some time to talk to us about georgia tech and the acc you can go check out gojackets.com part of the cbs sports interactive family and when it gets time for the pig toe hold on the famous georgia tech broadcaster toe meets leather when toe meets leather in just a few months there's no better place to be than GoJackets.com. In fact, it's no place better place to be if you're a Georgia Tech fan to be there all year long because everybody's on there talking about how good Georgia Tech's going to be this fall, how terrible the other teams are going to be this fall, and <laughs> you mix in the, the basketball, the baseball, and the recruiting talk. It's GoJackets.com. Mr. Lifeite, thank you very much. We look forward to having you on frequently here on the Y'all Show, and let's fire up that barbecue grill sometime. You got it. I'll be doing that. And thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. And I look forward to talking to you some more this, uh, this coming summer. And what's the good word? Uh, to hell with Georgia. And of course, if you're a Georgia Tech fan, you know exactly what that means. Well, friends, that uh, brings this y'all show for today to a close. We appreciate Jonathan for being our special guest and everything that we were able to cover on today's y'all show. We'll be back at it tomorrow. I'm John Rawl signing off. You've been listening to the y'all show. I don't know how else to say this, so I'll just say it. What is it, Linda? I think we should see other people. Are you breaking up with me on a roller coaster? Well, we do have a lot of fun. Maybe we should stay together. An emotional roller coaster? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. I just need a little me time. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I love my family, but last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family. 
<laughs> for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831.18. First line is $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 kilobits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. What do you hear? Most people just hear an engine. We hear a 6.2-liter Hemi V8 with a supercharger that accelerates so fast, it'll suck the air out of your lungs and knock you back in your seat like you're an astronaut in a rocket ship hurtling through the stratosphere. But then again, we're not most people. We're the Brotherhood of Muscle. Dodge. Domestic. Not domesticated. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.